but it is, you know, uh, what was I saying before? What did I talk about? What was, what was, the, <laughs> what was I, what was I saying? I could have sworn that was, little red light was on the last time. Take two. They're cheap. <laughs> you know, that's for sure. Well, you know, it's kind of the wind is blowing outside. The weather is on the change. A concert of kings as the white sea snaps the heels of a soft prayer whispered. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's that to be said about it. Also, it's 9.23 a.m. Saturday, October the 1st, 2022. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. Well, I'm much happier about that, you know, rendition <laughs> of the song. Oh, you didn't like the last one? No. Well, maybe, perhaps that first take was bound to fail, Diane. Bound. Maybe the universe was calling out to us saying, hey, (laughs) hey, Bill, perk up. You know, (laughs) I needed to perk up. I was a little, I was a little lackluster, I would say. Don't you think I lacked some luster? You lacked luster. I did lack luster. And, you know, there's just no reason for that. Darn it. You know, here it is. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. We got spider webs outside the window shining in the sun. And, and we've got. The Boy, color that is, is quite a master it is complex a, yeah, it is a, of it's, a spider web. It is a condominium complex. It is, it's going all, all over the place. It's a masterwork. I think it deserves to be, I don't know what. Memorialized. Well, yeah, I think we should get out there with some shellac and just kind of... <laughs> I don't think you know, that it would... No? That it would be uh, the, the one, spider's best preference Well, no, that. but... How do you and preserve now we have, a spider? We still light? have beautiful light coming in. Yes, the beautiful light is still coming in through the door to the deck, and uh, kind of lighting up all the different colors and everything is glowy and flowy, you know. Except our bodies. Except our bodies, which are racked with pain <laughs> and agony. <laughs> Not no. racked. Oh, mine's racked. Sort of. Hers is. I don't know what. Yours is ricked. Um, there, we got our COVID shots yesterday. Yeah, our fourth shot. The bivalent. Bivalent? Bivalent. Bivalent. Bivalent? It is the bivalent. Okay. Anyway, so that so it's, it's dealing with Omicron and oh. a couple of other strains. I and... see. Bivalent. Got it. Okay, got it. All right. All right. Excellent. Lovely. Perfect. Beautiful. It's been kind of a... I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Well, it's been a rough and tumble week here in Lake Abundance. Um... Lots of ah, little uh, twists and turns in the in the pathway of existence and, and creative output and coffee cups and you know tennis shoes and robber barons smokestacks uh, lightning uh, hurricanes hurricanes clever quips from uh, college classmates and uh, uh, cartoon. Um, craters from Cleveland. Over to you, Diane. <laughs> you threw it over quickly on the first take, and you threw it over <laughs> quickly on the second take. Well, I thought I had a little more substance on the second one. I was going well, for it, you know. Hmm? I first of all wanted to say that the getting the COVID shot was actually sort of a pleasant experience in an odd sort of way because you would think that it would be um, kind of a drudge kind of a, a drudge because a slog. we had to wait we had an appointment set up for ten thirty, and we had to wait 
an hour yeah. to to uh, get the shots, partially because the poor pharmacist was trying to deal with the pharmacy and the the giving of the shots. And there was a there were probably four or five people in line ahead of us too, who had been there that, even longer. Yeah, there. I think there were more than four or five yeah. ahead of us. Um, but we ended up talking with a lot of these people who are mostly elderly uh, older than we are and uh and it was quite enjoyable talking to them in this little waiting room that they had but uh didn't have quite so bad a reaction to this i've i had really bad reactions to the first three shots um it made me feel a little like I was under the weather with the flu. And that was one of the things I thought, yeah, I'm going to prepare. Just say, I'm not going to do too much this weekend. Just, I didn't exactly have the same reaction to this, but uh, this morning I feel kind of achy in my joints. Yeah. That's the, I feel a little achy today. Yeah, me too. And a little skin crawly, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, not my usual achies and painies, but uh, some additional... Little, uh, little twinges. Little, little joint stiffness and such. But I feel like, yeah, well, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Um, I'm just thrilled to be able to have it. Thrilled that you are going to be able to have this shot when you go out to Spokane. Right. Cause, uh, also to play a couple of musical shows. Yeah. Coming up in the month of October. Yeah. But... My world has been very internal, uh, you know, the internal thoughts, um, which I guess is probably true of most of our weeks now, that we aren't, we aren't in the action as much as we're in the internal action. And uh, my thoughts were influenced by f- several different aspects of the week. And the first was that I've been uh still maintaining my my research in ancestry i've been still reading uh because the way that i read books fictional books these days is i read little snatches of them uh when i get up and when i go to bed i i don't plow through a book as much and i actually find that i'm able to concentrate far greater on the on every paragraph when I do that and am enjoying this book which I've read before called What's Bred in the Bone by Robertson Davies Mm -hmm. and wonderful he is a marvelous weaver of tales he really uh, he's quite humorous um, incredible at describing things I love reading every word that he writes rather than, you know how sometimes when you're reading books you sort of skip over some of the stuff I love reading everything he writes. Mm -hmm. And then I was reading in the New York Times this article uh, that was talking about uh, they were doing some studies on the brain and they found that when people had free time that their minds would be sort of weaving the tale of their own life and but with sort of a negative spin uh, more of a anxiety driven uh, fearful negative uh, spinning rather than when you're in an active mode there's something else that changes and I 
I was thinking about all those things because um, I was thinking about how we create the stories of who we are and what we are doing in the world. And uh, the reason why the ancestry had a big part of this is that for the first time, I've basically with the ancestry, I've been collecting a lot of the documents that ancestry provides for you to create the story of your family tree. And they have census reports, marriage certificates, draft, um, draft registration, right. um, death obituaries, uh, well, not obituaries, but death certificates. So I've been collecting those, but I haven't really been reading through them all. Just this week, I started reading through them all. Um, I have read some of the ones that are for my far distant, uh, the far distant relatives because I knew so little about them. So I was curious. But for my close relatives, I wasn't because I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's my mom. That's my dad. You know, that's my uncle. The, I was just collecting them. But but this week I actually read some of them, especially the census reports. And I was kind of astonished to read the information. For example, um, for my Uncle Robert, my father's brother, he was a dentist, and that was his occupation. And I had always thought that that's what he had wanted to do, that's what he had planned to do, and that he got involved with dentistry um, right away. But in actuality, before the war, he was working in a in a mechanic shop type of situation, following my grandfather Schulstad. In my grandfather Schulstad was a sheet metal worker, and then he went to the war. And for both my uncle and my father, they took advantage of the veterans' um, bill that allowed them to get education, right. and so then he became a dentist and. Just having that little bit of information really changed something in my the way that I was thinking about my uncle, who, by the way, uh, seeing his draft registration, he joined the war when he was 18 years old, and that just astonished me, because I think about 18-year-old uh, people that I've known and how they seem so young at yeah. 18. Yeah. How much older was your dad than your uncle? I think that my dad was 21 when he joined the war. I think that they were like, I think they were like two and a half years apart, somewhere around there. And so knowing those two things definitely twisted my story around. You know, I was thinking, would my uncle have been able to do the dentistry if he hadn't been able to to participate in the, the education that was provided to veterans. Mm. Um, and then my mom, uh, I started reading the census reports for her family, and there were things that my grandmother was doing before she remarried that I had never heard about. Like she was an inspector at a mill, mm. and I was thinking, wow, I never knew that. You know, I... I know that she, there was one document that said she was a governess. So she had a, a variety of occupations before she settled on 
uh, being the proprietor along with the person that she married after my my grandfather's death. Um, and they were the proprietors of, as the census report said, a tavern. My mother never represented it as a tavern to us. She always said that it was a dine dance. So I always had it in my mind that it was some sort of posh, you know, uh, some of the things that you've seen from the movies that it's this elegant dance hall with dance a big, hall. big band in one corner. Yeah, exactly. Big That's ballroom and because my father said that it was a really popular place and everybody knew about Edwards Dine and Dance. And, and I was thinking to know that it was a tavern. And then uh, I had already found the, um, because there was an article written about the tavern. Uh, so I, in my previous ancestry searches, I found that article and, and was astonished at the way it looked and what it looked like inside. I mean, it had like, almost like the the equivalent of pinball machines and you know it was just it's a dump you know and it's a dive bar and it was just like everything my head had to turn around about what my mom was representing because she was apparently embarrassed to say that that her parents owned a tavern and the interesting thing about it was that I ascribed all that posh stuff for the dine and dance also because of the way my mom's manners were. She was very, very much a duchess in her... She was elegant. She's a very elegant person. But not, not hoity-toity elegant. Not, not hoity-toity, but not, just elegant by nature, yeah. you know, yeah. and taught us etiquette and was very concerned with manners and... And whenever I would get together with my, with her parents, uh, especially her stepfather, I would just be thinking, man, who is this guy? He doesn't have anything to do with the way that my mom... Not very elegant. Kind of a cigar chomp and, you know, kind of a... Heavy boozing. Yeah, kind of a roughneck kind of Uh guy. A bigot, a misogynistic bigot. Wee! And it was always, when we'd get together with him, it was always like, huh? But what I guess I'm saying through those couple of examples, there are more, is that as you start finding these documents and reading the story, you realize what your parents did to kind of patch over things that they didn't want to tell you or uh, or making it more glamorous than what you what was really true and I find that very interesting because we all do that in our lives you know we sort of make something sound a little bit better than it was Um, like a lot of times I don't when people ask me what I did at the university I always say I was a human resources manager but in fact I had several different jobs at the university from just being a secretary and but I always choose the top of the oh, yeah. the heap, right? Yeah, sure. Partially because I don't didn't want to say, Oh well first I was a secretary and then I was a this and then I was a that and you know, half the the titles wouldn't mean anything to anybody anybody. Anyway, like program coordinator for the graduate program or whatever. So 
I just it just made me think about how we weave our stories and how we uh, put together the story of our lives and I just find it really fascinating yeah. and especially in conjunction with reading what's bred in the bone with Robertson Davies being this master storyteller and he's he's giving the presentation of someone's life from all the influences and you're he's threading the needle so that you see how this one person who may not may have a very small role actually did something to further that life and i just find that whole thought fascinating how we how we tell our own stories what actually happened that we will never quite know you know i i feel like uh, so for example in my family my father had cancer um when he was in his 40s i think he had neurofibrosarcoma where he had to have a very drastic surgery and he almost died and and no one told us as children that that was happening you know they told us this weird story that my dad had a splinter in his leg and that they had to do a operation to get it out a splinter a splinter and i think that that we were young and they thought well they they can't handle the fact that their father has cancer you know but we didn't find out till we were in high school or something and i i just feel like wow i mean so you're you're told a thing when you're a child because your parents think that you can't handle the truth you know mm-hmm. but in fact what would have happened if he did die you know <laughs> that um well, that must have been some splinter yeah i just it's interesting to yeah. see what the what uh, people have told you because they didn't really want to say, yeah. you know. And then we all kind of write our own stories and rewrite our own stories, and you know, stories become more fanciful, and you know, we you you curate the whole presentation just through the fact of repetition. And I think about the way I introduce songs and stuff like that, and yeah, it's a it's interesting well and also you think about the family stories that you have in your family that that are actually um, furthered by the retelling and the retelling and the retelling and yet some small details start filtering through uh, that maybe were not included in another telling of it yeah and because I know that my brother and I have all sorts of stories that um, we know the the basis of. But then it really makes you wonder, uh, I mean, <laughs> looking back on your life, because everything seems so shadowy in a sense. It doesn't seem like you have these memories, but they seem almost like dreams, you know. I don't know. It's a so that has been where my mind has been sitting. The other thing that also furthered this, it was like this concert of different things that I was reading and seeing was um hearing this marvelous uh 
podcast. It's called Through Line. It's on NPR. And they basically take a, a current event and and go back in history to show that it isn't just the current, that it's had a history. That all these things have happened before. And this particular through line was called Creating Reality. And they started it off by saying that they create reality, that they are creators of reality in in their media of News. podcast. Yeah. And they start off saying that everything that you've ever read in the news or heard, even if you thought it was fair and balanced, it was always curated. So, for example, when we were young and Cronkite reports or uh, Huntley Brinkley, which always seemed pretty measured and uh, pretty fair and equitable in our minds, Mm -hmm. they still were, they were curating reality sure and and we are always all of us are curating our realities uh so it's so having my own thoughts about curating my own personal life and my experiences and then seeing how society is doing that same thing it's kind of a mind-boggling thing to think about bill mind-boggling i'm boggled of course i was boggled before It is, Diane, the uh, the kind of slippery nature. Pardon me, I'm gonna have another drink of coffee. Of life, you know, makes you kind of gonna go. Uh, you boy, that's good coffee. <laughs> yes, the the song of the day. The song of the day is one of my favorites. We've played it before. We've played it before. And we'll and probably I'm play sure, it again. I'm sure we will. Yes, indeed. It just has to be. It's probably one of the finest performances uh, uh, that I've ever heard recorded. It shows a virtuosity in voice and in acoustic guitar and in songwriting and just, you know, every aspect of arrangement. And Fun who fun. is this? It would be our buddy Ian, Ian Anderson of Jethro Toe. Jethro Toe, from the album War Child, which has some very interesting songs on it. Very interesting. Yes. I just uh, thought of it today because there is such a feeling of skating out on thin ice. Yeah. Um, particularly because we had a bit of a, a financial financial news that was not happy from our condo association we have to have some repairs done that is going to be financially a strain and anytime that i'm thinking about life i i think about how you're always skating on thin ice you know always yep you see the news and things that are happening to other people and you feel like phew Oh my God! Can you imagine having that happen to you? But we all have experiences, and that is—we're all skating on thin ice all the time. So, it's one of my favorite songs by them. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
Meanwhile, back in the year one, when you belong to no one, you didn't stand a chance, son. If your pants were undone, 'cause you were bred for humanity, and sold to society. One day you'll wake up in the present day, a million generations removed from expectations of being who you really want to be. Skating away, skating away, skating away on the thin ice of a new day. So as you push off from the shore, won't you turn your head once more and make your peace with everyone? But those who choose to stay will live just one more day to do the things they should have done. And as you cross the wilderness, spending in your emptiness, you really have to pray. Looking for a sign that the universal mind has written you into the passion play. Skating away, skating away, skating away on the thin ice of a new day. Hey. And as you cross the circle line, well the eyes will greet behind. You're a rabbit on the run. And the silver splendors fly in the corner of your eye, shining in the setting sun. Well, do you ever get the feeling that the stories do them real and in the present tense? And it seems like you're the only person sitting in the audience, skating away, skating away, skating away on the thin ice of a new day. Hey, 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 hey.